Why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Today's scripture reading is from Psalm chapter 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Good afternoon, family. I am so thankful to the Lord for the book of Psalms. Aren't you? Amen. What we are hoping for you as we go through the sermon series of the book of Psalms is that you experience more of Jesus in this series. The Psalms are often called the prayer book of the Bible. It has also been called the little Bible by Martin Luther, not the King Jr., the reformer. Jesus lived the Psalms, he taught the Psalms, and he fulfilled the Psalms. And we have an opportunity through this sermon series to recalibrate ourselves as we think and meditate on this great book of the Bible. But selfishly today, and each week through this series, I am hoping that you get a deeper longing for the presence of God. I want to say that one more time. I want you to get a deeper longing for the presence of God. In such a way that you say, uh-uh, I'm not going nowhere else. Nowhere else. I'm not going nowhere else. I'm staying with Jesus. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear amen. I'm glad to hear amen. I'm hoping that our community groups will be full of people who are ready to hear Jesus each and every single time we meet. I'm really, I really want to see our neighborhood Bible studies full of people who dwell with Jesus and pour themselves out for others. I want to see our college groups be a place where those who are truly longing for the blessed life to come and find that life. I want our school ministry teams to be a place where the kids are longing for mentorship can find godly mentors who will point them to their true teacher. This psalm will help us get started on that journey of longing for God. But before I get into the text, let me pray for our time because we need God's help. Amen? We need God's help. Let's pray. 
Father, Lord, I am so grateful again and thankful, Lord, as Brother Chauncey said earlier, thankful, thankful, Lord, for your word. And Father, as we read Psalm 84, Lord, I pray that you would teach us what it means to really, truly long for your courts, to dwell in your presence, to be people who leave behind springs of waters, Lord, to be people who really trust in you and are blessed because of it. Father, we need you. And Father, if you, you don't show up in our hearts, Lord, we won't have the power to change. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us. Send your Holy Spirit to teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalm 84 is a pilgrim song made by the sons of Korah for the people of God as they would make their way to Jerusalem for prayer around the fall festival of the tabernacle. As the time was approaching, they would get their things ready and their sacrificial animals and everything they needed to travel to Jerusalem. And as they traveled, they started to sing this song, and it begins by the people reminiscing about the Lord's temple. Verse 1 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Verse 2, My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Now, I got a question for you. Have you ever had that friend that you did not want to leave their presence? Every time you got around them, you were starting to sing the, the Christian song that we sing sometimes, No Place That I'd Rather Be. <laughs> that friend, that mentor, that lover, that when you got around them, you just got crazy happy, and your heart just wanted to sing for joy. You ever been around that friend? That's what the psalmist is trying to explain with these words. The psalmist is saying here the word faint in Hebrew, which has different meanings, but in context of Psalm 84, it means to exhaust with desire or to bring to an end. And what the psalmist is saying is this, that I have been dying to get into your presence. I've been dying to be with you, God. I need to be back in your temple because I've been gone for so long. Man, but what's beautiful about this is not just my soul longs for this. Look at what it says also in verse 2. My heart and my flesh, my heart and my flesh, which is another way of saying that my whole being longs to be with you. Everything that I am longs to be with you, God. And that's what's beautiful about this song is that it's not just about the benefits or the stuff that's in the court. Believe me, the temple is beautiful. It was handcrafted. There was tons of things used. There's tons of instructions on how to build the tabernacle and everything in it. But that's not what the psalmist is focused on. It's not just because the tents are beautiful. He's saying, I want to be there because the Lord is beautiful. I want to be there because the Lord is beautiful. He makes the temple a beautiful place. Not the stuff in it. Can you identify with the psalmist? Have you ever felt this way before? If you haven't, this might be the time to ask the question, why haven't I felt this way before? Why don't I long for, for God? And if you have felt this, this, this longing, this desire for God, but feel very distanced from him. Maybe it's time to say, God, I'm sorry. 
God, help me. I don't want to walk away from your presence. I don't want to be anywhere else but with you. As we keep reading, you're going to see, though, that as God, God provides a way, God provides a way for you. When you come to him, he's a very forgiving God, and he provides a way for you to come home to him. Verses 3 and 4 says, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Here the psalmist is saying, I wish I was like the birds. <laughs> I wish I was like the birds who sit in your presence, O Lord. The bird has a home in your house, and right now I'm not there. They know where to go to have a safe nest to raise their children. I'm not there. They dwell in your presence, O Lord. God, I long to be in your presence. Now, if you're a person like me, you're wondering, man, there's some implied questions here. There's some implied questions here that people of God often ask. Raise your hand if you ever wonder if God sees you. Raise your hand if you are wondering if God will take care of you. Well, the psalmist here, and Jesus actually picks up on this later, says emphatically, yes, yes, I will take care of you. Jesus later picks up on this, and as a response to the struggling disciples in Matthew 10, 29 through 31, which says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. What, what is Jesus and the psalmist saying here? They are saying if God will take care of a dime a dozen bird and give it a home, how much more will he take care of you who are more value than that sparrow? So God, I long to be with you because you care for me so well. You value me so well. I don't want to be anywhere else. The psalmist also says, at your altar. Y'all, at your altar? Do you hear this? You see God at work again. At your altar, providing a place where people can get forgiveness, where they can receive forgiveness for the sin of walking away from him and the reconciliation with God through the sacrificial system that he put in place as they needed sacrifices. Jesus, God even provided the sacrifice for them. I hope right now you are starting to feel it, a great and burning desire to be near the presence of God. Be near the presence of God, y'all. God provides a sacrifice, and we see that more most displayed in Jesus, who went to the cross. The king of the world became the lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world, so that the sinner can have temple fellowship with God forever. If you haven't given your life to Jesus today, today is the day, my friend. God has many rooms in his home. If it were not so, he would not have said it. All you have to do is repent and trust him and come home to God. And this is such great news. 
This is why in the next verse, in Psalm, uh, Psalm 84, verse 4, he says that those who dwell in the, his house ever sing his praise. They are blessed people, y'all. Do you know that we are experiencing some of that right now? Every time that we get up to sing and we come together, we're experiencing some of that blessing right now. Every time our friends down here in this front row who sacrifice so much, I don't know if you guys know this, but these guys sacrifice all the time, meet all the time, prepare songs for you, practice, play all the time. And we experience through their, through their sacrificial life, we experience a lot of blessing every single week. We sing and we're blessed. It don't matter if you can't sing. Y'all, I know I can't sing. <laughs> the Bible says make a joyful noise like it said in uh, our call to worship today, right? Make a joyful noise, not a skillful noise. <laughs> Y'all, I don't care, though. I'm not missing out on that blessing. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm going to the feet of Jesus. Verses 5 through 9 read like this, and they take an interesting turn, but the same joyful message. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Our, o Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. What the psalmist is saying here is, blessed are those whose strength is God's, whose hearts are really pure and are going towards the highways of Zion. No, this is not talking about any old people. This is talking about the people of God who have good hearts. You got to have a good heart to dwell in the strength and appear before God in Zion. Zion, the Jerusalem, the hill, the mountain of God, the new heavens and the new earth. It could be any of those in this psalm, but it doesn't matter in this context except for the fact that this is a place where God's presence dwells. All those good-hearted people go. They go, and as they go with God, Wherever they go, they leave behind springs. The Valley of Baca means the Valley of Weeping. The Valley of Weeping. So even in a dry and desolate location, those who are abiding in strength, those who are good-hearted people, leave behind places of springs. That's beautiful, y'all. But the most beautiful part is that God provides it all. Verse 3 says, the early rain, the early rain pointing to God as the provider of, of the grace that goes before you. This is why the psalmist begins to pray a pleading and desperate prayer in verse 8 to the God of Jacob. Again, much like verse 3 shows us the kind of God in this dwelling place, Jacob being a descendant of the promises of God who often wrestled with God's way and yet overcame, shows us the God who we are praying to. In fact, in my quiet time recently, I was reading Genesis 35, in which after much trouble had been brought upon Jacob on account of his sons, basically his sons went and slaughtered the whole people because they took one of their 
uh, one of their sisters and took her captive and he got upset and one of the sons, Simeon, got upset and they went and killed him and and then Jacob was like really afraid and he was like, oh man, what have you brought upon me? And here's what, here's what Jacob does when he brings his family together. Pulls his family together and he says, put away, in verse th- uh, Genesis 35, verses 2 through 3, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourself and change your garments. Then let, uh, let us arise and go to Bethel so that I may make there an altar to God who answers me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. See, Jacob and the psalmist model something really valuable to us today. Instead of running away from God in times of trouble, Jacob ran to God. Are you in trouble, friends? Are you running away from God? If so, quit it. God is too forgiving to to run away from. That's so good for my heart today. Whom the psalmist couldn't have known he was praying for mostly, though, was ultimately Jesus. In verse 9, the psalmist is asking for God to protect the Israelite king so that God's dwelling place and his people would be secured. But no merely human person could and king would be able to fulfill this role like Jesus could. Jesus is the one who modeled what the psalmist said in verse 5. Jesus went through a dry and parched land and left behind places of springs. We were just reading John chapter 7, Isaiah, Infinity, Armando, you remember this this week at Cap in verses 32 through 39? Where Jesus promised that those who would believe in him whose hearts are truly the highway to Zion, would have living waters flowing out of them, which is the Holy Spirit. Once the Son was glorified, and good news, guys, he is. Jesus, through the death, his death and resurrection by the power of the Spirit, secured a, forgive, a forgiven people's victory. He secured that victory. That is why the psalmist said, those good-hearted people go from strength to strength. Some of you in here And I'm pointing at myself. And I'm just going to be real with you. In times of trouble, in times of trouble, in tough seasons, you act like you want to give up. Mm. I think the scriptures say the opposite. The scriptures challenge us all the time to not give up, to be steadfast, to keep going. I'm not going to add a bunch of scriptures here, but I just want you to take this scripture right here and add it to your list if you need a place to go in times of trouble. And especially, and especially if you're thinking about what is God going to do through me in those times of trouble. God is your shield. He is your protector. So he will not let you go through more than you can bear. Y'all, through Jesus Christ, you are not just striving through hard times. But you're flourishing. Instead of your hard times and your weeping, what happens afterwards is this. The transforming resurrection power of Jesus is literally changing the world around you if you don't quit. 
So instead of trying to run from the valley of Baca, weeping, if God is leading you through it, why not go through it with the conviction and boldness as other great saints have done before you that you admire? Journey with God through the valley of Baca and therefore unleash the power of God that makes springs and pools of water. Like Martin Luther, this time, this time the King Jr., who we just celebrated his life. You guys know this, right? Went to the Nobel Peace Prize and decided to go, go back home where God wanted him. It wasn't easy there. It wasn't safe. He went there anyways because that's where God's presence was. That's where God was sending him. That's where he wanted him at. Or when Dietrich Bonhoeffer, after fleeing from the German Reich, decided to go back home to a place of weeping, but instead left behind a legacy that is full of springs of water. I am not saying go seek out the Valley of Baca. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. If God is leading you there, go anyways. Run towards God anyways. You never know, and you might not see it in this side of heaven. But behind you is being left a spring of water. Maybe some of you know some people in the land who need that spring of water. who lack a somebodiness, who long to carve a tunnel of hope through a dark mountain of despair so that the people in darkness can see the great light Jesus through your witness. Maybe some of you know that. I'm paraphrasing MLK and Luke chapter 1, verse 79. Or like the great street preacher, the South Side Rabbi himself, KB, who said in a song, 100, I'd rather be in the jungle in the will of God than anywhere else outside it. Boy, I'm about it. Y'all. Y'all. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to be in Jesus' presence. I want to be with God. And guys, if you are, just know this. Instead of thinking of yourself as going from weakness to strength, I want you to think about this today in this, this context of this verse. You're going from strength to strength. Strength to strength. That could be a sermon right there by itself. But we can't stop there. We can't stop there. It just gets better. Verse, verses 10 through 12, read like this. And they function as the climax of, of our passage. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Y'all, the psalmist knows his time is short. He's going. He's going on a journey. He knows his time is short. And he can't remain in the temple very long. But he, he believes this. And he believes this really truly. And this is something we got to get. Listen, this is something we got to get. 
it's better to spend one day, one day in a lowly position in a temple than to spend it a thousand days elsewhere. Y'all, he lists two ends of the spectrum here. Two ends of the spectrum. One side is the doorkeeper and the temple. The doorkeeper and the gatekeeper in the temple was basically like a greeter. So, like, think about when you come in here and somebody greets you at the door. Sometimes, though, during those times, a lot of commentators say that that, that role could have been really, really hard. People are trying to get up in the temple and steal the gold. You know how it is. People act fools. You know what I'm saying? Uh, people, people are pushing each other, trying to get up in there. They ain't acting right, you know? And so it's a lowly position. Y'all, this is, is going to be good, y'all. It's a lowly position. And it's a volunteer position. A lot of you guys know what it is to volunteer, right? Oh, man. I just can look around the room, and I just think about all the things that you guys are doing. It's amazing. It's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. And he said, I'd rather be there in the lowest position in the temple than be in this high, really high position elsewhere. At the end of the spectrum are those who are dwelling in the tents of wickedness. The word dwelling in the t- word tents indicate a lavish and rich life of luxury and ease. Having more money than you can spend having servants wait on you hand and foot. But catch this. This is where we know the psalmist's intention is not just the beauty of the temple itself, but it's God himself. The psalmist describes the lowest volunteer position in the temple and the highest position in the world. And which one does he prefer? Y'all tell me. Y'all tell me. The temple. I'd rather be a doorkeeper there at the temple the lowest position. Not because the gold is there. If he wanted to get the gold, he could go have his fill with the tents of wickedness. This is what I love about you guys. So many of you guys, and I look around the room, you're so talented. You're so gifted. If you wanted to, you could go make tons of money somewhere else. But instead... Because you love God and you want to dwell with him, you followed him to this place. And because you want people to know the goodness of God, you decided, I'm going to forsake all that stuff and I'm going to go follow him. And I'm going to walk towards him. And I want them to know him because I'm going to sacrifice what what good talents I have so that they could have something. All because you want to be close to God. All because you want others to know God and be close to him. So we choose a servant role in the house of God. I love y'all, man. I love our staff. Our staff models this really well. Think about Gavin. Man, I love Mr. Gavin, y'all. I'm glad I share an office with him. We just talk about sharing with G. That's the gospel. We talk about hanging out, doing life. We talk about how the next generation is going to hear 
about Jesus. There's nothing better than that. His whole mind is focused on that. Not on money. None of that, man. I love you, Gavin. I love you, John Mark. John Mark, y'all don't know this man, and his wife, Sue Candy, as well, gives up a lot. That brother could be somewhere else writing all kinds of books and doing all kinds of things. Dude's brilliant. But he wants others who have been trapped in cycles of non-closeness to God to know him. So he gave his life so that those who don't know God can know God. This is what the song is. The song is saying. I long for the courts of God. God. I want to dwell with you. I don't want to go anywhere else. I love Chauncey too. Lord knows where I'd be without Chauncey. How many times I went to him weeping and crying about life and things. How many times I've stepped on his toes lived in his house and broke something. But he didn't care. That's all he could care about was being close to God and having others be close to him. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. Verse 11 shows what the Lord is like and why the psalmist is choosing God over the tents of wickedness. The Lord is a shield. The Lord is a shield. And this can also be a reference to shade. So when you feel cold and without life and distant from God, he will be like the sun to warm you up and give life to your path. But when you feel hot and burnt out, and overwhelmed with the trials and burdens of life, God will be like a shade to you to give you a place to rest. God has done this many times in the history of Israel's history. You guys remember this? God was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud by night, a pillar of fire by night. Literally, he was shade. Literally, he was light to the path. God also bestows favor and honor. Now, the translation here is probably not right in the ESV. It's probably more like grace and glory. Grace and glory. He gives grace and glory. Grace has the idea of God smiling upon us. Don't you want to, like, feel that? Like, how many people live in the shame and feel like God is mad at them all the time, frowning at them? God is smiling at you if you're in Christ. He's ready to give us all the benefits of being a child. The world is seeking after glory and honor apart from God. But ironically, the crazy twist is this, that God gets the glory and gives it only to those who serve him. God withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly with him. 
the psalmist is not saying that anything we deem is good, as good, is what God will give us. That's not true. And the psalmist is not saying that this goes for everyone. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, this is the time. This is the time because the only way to enter into this is to be his child. But what the psalmist is doing is instead recalling on God's nature. God surely is a sun and a shield. And in a negative sense, would not, be, would not allow for you to have anything that is bad for you. Even if, that is, even if that bad thing is a good thing in this world, because he knows your frame. But in a positive sense, he will not withhold the good ever from those who walk uprightly with him. Do you believe that? Do you believe he's going to not withhold nothing that's good? He's going to always give you good. Do you believe that? If it is good and he deems it as good, you will get it. Then we turn to verse 12. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. What the psalmist is saying is trusting in God means to be close to God and his benefits. I just want to take a second to think about what this means for the Christian. The psalmist knew what he knew in light of what time he was in. But we see more clearly through Jesus. And the Old Testament has announced that there was going to be a coming Messiah who would dwell with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Remember that in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? The New Testament announces that, the, that God made his presence known with us in Jesus Christ. John 1.14. You guys remember that? John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, as John Mark and Chauncey have taught us many times, is that Jesus really came and tabernacled among us. Did God make good on his promise? Yes, he did. Y'all can respond to me. Y'all can say yes. Early in this sermon, I said that Jesus said he was going to send his spirit to make us people who flow living water after he was glorified. Did God make good on his promise? Yes, he did. Jesus died on the cross and immediately the veil was torn and he was resurrected from the grave and ascended into heaven at Pentecost. Did God make good on his promise? At Pentecost, Jesus poured out his spirit on us. Now we as a church are the temple of the living God. Through Jesus Christ, our high priest, we have a mediator. We now have access to God at all times. No longer are we doorkeepers in the house of God, but we actually get to go into the holies of holies. Isn't that a good thing? If you don't know much about the holies of holies, go read about the holies of holies, and you'll see this is no small thing. Is God trustworthy? Yes, 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 yes. God is trustworthy, which makes this psalm believable. You see, we long for God when before Christ we could care less about him. And it's all because of God. We live strength to strength and dwell in Zion no matter the circumstances because of God. 
We are a blessed people because of God. We are a temple to the living God because of God. We are a royal priesthood because of God. A chosen nation because of God. All this because of God. Do you know that? Fam, do you believe that? Do you carry yourself in a way that's befitting of this? God is trustworthy and never changes. He never changes. You will be considered blessed if only you trust in him. If only you trust in him. As I conclude, I wrote down four things. I wrote down four things for the kind of person I want to become in 2021 because of what I've learned through this text. I'm not super great about like making these like thematic or whatever. So you're just gonna have to like roll with it, okay? <laughs> the first the first one is a resilient sower. Verses five and six teaches us that those people who walk in the strength of God make springs of water no matter the circumstances. If the Spirit of God lives in you, how even more so today that we don't quench the Spirit. And so, even through tough times. I want to be a singer. Pastor John Piper helped me understand this a little bit. He, he said a quote that really stuck out to me this week as I was reading. And I just want to share it with you. It says about singing, Christians and singing. The fact that Christianity is a singing religion bears witness not only to the way, the, the way we're wired as human beings, but to the God, kind of God we have. Namely, a God who is one day, according to Zephaniah 3.17, going to sing over us. He's going to lead a choir and celebrate the fact that we are his. And we're going to join in singing that he is ours. We have much to sing about, according to the psalm, Right? And being near God forever is the place to be. I don't want to go nowhere else. Let's sing, family. The third, the third person I want to be is a longing dweller. I told you this was really bad. Like, whatever. what is that? I don't know. The veil is torn. And we experience God in new ways. So we already dwell with him and, in fact, are seated with him in Christ. But we are still longing to be closer to Jesus where he is literally our son and our bodies are transformed and we see him face to face. So already, but not yet. Everybody say already, already. but not yet. Amen. And all the realities associated with being with Jesus, creating the new heavens and the earth. Y'all, we long for that. While dwelling in the secured victory of Christ, we still long and we say with revelations, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And the fourth thing I want to be is a follower. We need more followers, y'all. We need to believe that, G that God will do as he promises. The world needs to see that kind of confidence in God. When God says go, go. When God says do this, you do it. And you're confident about it. The reality is, is we will all be blessed for trusting God. And our, or, our paths will be ordered, just like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. You guys remember this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. That's a promise. And God will help you. As we turn to communion, let's take Jesus at his word today, who said that there is a covenant I'm making with you in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And trust God, who made a covenant with you to carry you through to the very end. Come to the Lord's table. Don't go anywhere else. Don't try to skip it. Go to the Lord's table. Let's pray. Father, if I think about how much you love us, it is so clear. You're inviting us to a table to feast on your son, Jesus, to eat of his body and drink of his blood. And as we turn and take communion, well, I really hope that you hope that you would help us to understand how important it is to long for your courts, but also, Lord, the reality that we will dwell with you forever. Lord, I, I pray that you would help all, each and every single one of us in here as we think about being people who go from here, sharing the good news of Jesus, even through hard times. I know my, many of my brothers in here and sisters who are going through such hard times. Lord, I pray that you would help them, help them to see even just a piece of how you are transforming the world through their sacrificial witness to Jesus Christ. Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.